Hello and welcome. You're listening to Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Let's get right into it with your co-hosts, Jason and Madeline. Thank you so much, Jenny, for that wonderful introduction. Welcome back to another week of Do Less Bad, a new way to do more good. I'm Jason Anthorne, your co-host. My day job is to run a firm called Audacity. We help companies inform, involve, and inspire their employees. You can find out more at thinkaudacity.com. I'm joined by Madeline Temple, uh, the other co-host for this podcast. Madeline, let's hear a little more about you. Thanks, Jason. I'm the brand strategist behind Collective Identity. In my day job, I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do in a clear, simple, and true way to employees, customers, investors, partners, journalists, and six-year-olds. Fantastic. So we're killing it during the day and we're doing this on the side. So exciting times for us. We're glad you've joined us. Let's get right into the next episode. Thanks, Jason. So in case you are new to our podcast, here's a very brief background on what doing less bad means. What we've seen is the rise in ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance investing, CSR, corporate social responsibility efforts, and all of these got Jason and me thinking about how how companies can start to do better. But what does it mean to do better for employees, for customers, suppliers, partners, or investors? And in a world where your efforts are going to be called out and commented upon, both positively and negatively, how and where do you start? Because let's face it, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Absolutely. And I think, you know, once we start thinking about the impact that things like ESG have, not just on corporate performance, but on culture, on society as a whole, I think, you know, it's certainly worth digging into a little deeper. So why don't we do that right now? Most people are familiar with CSR, corporate social responsibility, and all the things that go along with that. But ESG is seen more on the investing side. Uh, Certainly the financial folks uh, are familiar with it. It stands for environment, social, and governance. But what does that actually mean for those of us who aren't in the know? So environment obviously covers the impact that companies have uh, on the planet. And companies that care about this might focus on things like climate change policies, greenhouse gas emissions, renewable energy, clean water and waste disposal, things like that. The social component consists of people-related elements like corporate culture and issues that impact employees, customers, consumers, and suppliers, whether you're in the company uh, or just part of greater society. And those things include pay and benefits and perks, uh, employee engagement and uh, staff turnover, diversity and inclusion in hiring and advancement, customer service, and social justice stances on things like LGBTQ, things in that area. And then governance relates to the corporate governance uh, of an organization. So topics about how the business is run. And those things include executive compensation, bonuses and perks, comp tied to metrics that drive long-term business value, not necessarily short-term earnings per share growth, and things like uh, dual or multiple class stock structures for those organizations that are publicly traded. So it has a lot of financial components to it uh, in its background and in its uh, foundational makeup. But the truth is, is that ESG is now breaking through into the broader consciousness of the public uh, in general. 
And that is really kind of unsurprising when you think about all the topics that are bubbling up right now, social injustice, this whole pandemic uh, around the planet, mass furloughs and layoffs and economic changes as a result of that. And then, of course, climate change uh, being the background, as it has been for uh, quite a while now. So on top of all of that, as we noticed, uh, as we noted in our first podcast, we've seen a change in the stance of the organization called the Business Roundtable, which is an association of CEOs of leading organizations in the U.S. and includes companies like BlackRock, J.P. Morgan, 3M, Apple and Coke. And interestingly enough, it was in August last year that the Business Roundtable changed its purpose. Now, for the average person, they're probably going, so what? (laughs) But what was so interesting about this change is that the Business Roundtable no longer focused on the shareholder only. And that is what they had focused on before, which is actually what the Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman famously put forth over 50 years ago, or actually 50 years ago to be precise. So instead what the business roundtable was saying is that all stakeholders should be paid attention to employees, customers, partners, communities, suppliers. Well, as I just kind of talked about, can't say it really rocked my world, right? But the pandemic did, as it did for nearly everyone. And in March of this year, I was joining the webinar Revolution. I came across a lecture by Professor Alex Edmonds in London, and it was called how great companies deliver both profit and purpose. The title in particular caught my attention because I spend my time advising companies on their brand, who they are and what they do, and how this ties to a corporate mission or purpose. So truly, I had no expectations, but I was so incredibly surprised by what he talked about that I did something incredibly unheard of for me, (laughs) really and truly. Right. What do you think I did, Jason? Um, I don't know. Brought a pony? No, (gasps) not a pony. What was it? I bought a unicorn. The unicorn I bought was I willingly bought a business book to read the detail behind this talk. And it's this book. It's called Grow the Pie, How Great Companies Deliver Both Purpose and Profit by Alex Edmonds, E-D-M-A-N-S. That is what we're going to be talking about today in our little two-person book club. Well, I think it's a fantastic book, and I watched that uh, same uh, webinar Uh, And the crux of the book and the webinar, of course, is this whole concept around economics. And so when you think about economics and how an organization looks at the financial health of the company, they're really looking at a pie. And so you try to divide up those slices in different ways so that people are getting proportionally a fair share Everybody can define fair share a little bit differently, but it's based on a pie that is a certain size. And so most organizations spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to divide that same pie in a way that is equitable. Um, But what's interesting about it is, is that his concept is we don't have to spend all of our time thinking about the size of that pie and how to divide that up. If we really want to be a responsible business and we want to do uh, better and do less bad uh, in the world, then how can we innovate and be excellent so that we are actually growing the size of the pie and not necessarily figuring out how to re-slice the existing pie? And so that whole concept in the book and uh, in the webinar that he's conducted, I think is fantastic because it gets past How do we take what we already have and figure out how to deal with that? And it's much more focused on 
who cares about what that is right now? What could it be? What if we did something different? What if we thought about this differently so that we're not now just thinking about how to divide up the same pie, but we're thinking about how to make that pie actually bigger? So part of what he posits in his book is that there are three ways to evaluate whether creating value for society will also create profits when you're thinking about these endeavors, ways that you can do less bad. That's what we would say. Right. And the first principle is the principle of multiplication. And no, I am not taking you back to math class. <laughs> Thank goodness. I know, although I do like math. What this asks is whether an activity creates more value to stakeholders, but not necessarily more profit to investors, so more value to stakeholders, than it costs the enterprise. An example, if I spend $1 on a stakeholder, does it generate more than $1 of benefit to the stakeholders? Now, if not, the social benefit of the activity is less than the private cost, and so the activity doesn't deliver value. A great example he gave is from New Belgium, the New Belgium Brewing Company. And I'm everything I'm about to say is directly from his book. So if you go to their website, they have a page that says, we're New Belgium and we pollute. Why did <laughs> That's they pretty pollute? Bold. <laughs> That's a <laughs> pretty bold statement. Right in your face, we pollute. And they're not really making any kind of apologies for it. Or judgment, either way. It's just, here it is. Here's a statement of fact. Exactly. This is a fact. The reason they pollute, it's because they make beer. And in order to make beer, it means they use energy and they create greenhouse gas emissions. But because they want to do less bad, what they've done to make up for all of the energy that they use and the greenhouse gas emissions that they emit is they built 1,235 solar panels on the roof of their packaging hall in their Fort Collins, Colorado site. They also provide colleagues with bikes rather than motor vehicles to travel around the entire Fort Collins site, which is about 50 acres. Wow. And then it also took the step of introducing an energy tax on itself. So for every kilowatt hour of energy it buys externally, it sets aside money to find energy efficiency improvements and renewable energy projects. And all of this actually does end up helping New Belgium. Right. So what they've done there really is to not just try and figure out how to do exactly what they're doing and, and do it in a different, uh, either better or even worse way. What they've done is just admitted there's going to be costs associated with how we make beer and to compensate um, for those costs. Here are other original and innovative ways we can think about giving back to the environment and replacing some of the things that we are, quote, taking away from it. I think exactly. it's, an ex it's an excellent, innovative way to think about things. It really is. And the second of the three principles is this concept around the principle of comparative advantage, which asks whether the enterprise creates more value through the activity than any other enterprise would. And if so, and only if so, undertaking that activity inside the firm is actually what helps to grow the pie. So first, the process that a company typically goes through when determining if they have a competitive advantage and whether they control that directly or not. And while charities can fund cancer research and feed the homeless, only Apple affects the plastic packaging that it actually uses for its products. So Apple has a competitive advantage in reducing that packaging waste. Secondly, a company may have a comparative advantage due to its expertise. 
Many charities are successful in getting medicines to the airports of developing countries, but it's the final challenge of transporting those out into the communities, to the families, to the doctors, that is much, much harder. And so a pharmaceutical company could be really good at creating that medicine, but actually distributing it to where it needs to go might be a little bit of a challenge. But you know who's really good at at distributing things? Coca-Cola. One of their core competencies is distribution and logistics, which it has developed over the years to get its products in the hands of virtually everybody anywhere they are on the face of the planet. And so their Project Last Mile initiative leverages this specific expertise for medicines, which makes them similarly available uh, throughout African countries. So they make beverages, but they're also really good at distributing those that very last mile. So their initiative is how can we partner with uh, pharmaceutical companies and other uh, healthcare manufacturers to get their products that last mile? We're already going the last mile and we're hauling Coca-Cola products there. We can also take this other stuff with us because we're better at that than the pharmaceutical companies are themselves. And that's what I find so fascinating about the Coca-Cola project, because for so many companies, that last mile is actually what derails their efforts. And that's what Coca-Cola is focusing on. So I thought it was an enormous and fantastic effort. That's right. It's, it's really taking a look at who it is that you are and what it is that you do. And to not think of yourself, for example, as a beverage company, but what we're doing is distributing products. And part of that means we've gotten really good at that last mile. What else can we also deliver that would be of value? Exactly right. That takes us to our third principle, which is the principle of materiality. And that's about whether stakeholders are material to an enterprise, either through affecting its business, which, what do you know, is called business materiality, or the enterprise having concern for them. That's intrinsic materiality. Yeah, a lot of big words that really- Those are big words. Those are big words. I mean, intrinsic, we know, materiality, but when you put them together, your eyes kind of roll backwards. Almost a tongue twister, too. It is. And you're going, why are you making this so hard? Okay, (laughs) so what is this about? Business materiality, that's how material a stakeholder is to the enterprise's business. So, for instance, with Apple, we know that suppliers like Corning and Finistar are important to them because of what they do with glass, when you think about the glass on an Apple phone case. So for them, Apple has supports them through their advanced manufacturing fund. They give them grants, and those grants actually help then provide the next generation of glass, which, what do you know, can probably end up on an Apple iPhone. Another great example is the Singaporean headquartered agribusiness called Olam, O-L-A-M. They grow cocoa, coffee, nuts, spices, rice, huge staples, and the communities provide workers and customers, but also a lot of land and water because you can't grow coffee and tea without those. That's right. So Olam's core purpose of growing responsibly also aims to preserve the environment and regenerate the communities in which it operates. So that's business materiality. Right. Intrinsic materiality, here's a great example of it. The British sandwich company, Pret, Pret Pret-a-Manger. Now, for instance, what they do is they donate their unsold sandwiches, food at the end of the day, to the homeless. You could say from a business materiality, there's not a lot there, but intrinsically there is. Why? Because Pret cares about these people. So they deliver surplus food to them. And that, you know, that's not hurting them. Does it necessarily contribute to profits? Maybe not, because they're not selling them. 
but they have a role in society and they feel an urge and a need to be to help society and this is how they can do it. Yeah, and the thing I really like about that is they're already making sandwiches. They're going to make millions of sandwiches, some of which they'll sell. Some they won't. Instead of getting rid of those, they figured out a way to provide them to those who can't purchase them or can't get access to them in any other way. And it's, you know, that's a good decision all the way around. It is. So even though there may be lower profit for it, the trade-off to help society wins. And that's a great thing to see happen. Nothing wrong with that. That's exactly right. And I think that's the kind of thing that particularly consumers, certainly employees, and investors, you know, they look towards. So what is it that we do as a core business? And then what are the things that are around that that are sort of tangential to that core business that could also be used to add value and to not just do less bad, but to do more good. Absolutely. I love that. That's great thinking. Great thinking. So given everything we've discussed today on this episode about ESG, here are the three things to consider in order to start doing less bad when it comes to doing more good at your company. First of all, in trying to do good, will you still be profitable? Can you still be profitable? Is that even possible to do good and be profitable at the same time? And I think it's important to Think about this concept around errors of omission, which is failing to grow the pie by just coasting and sticking to the status quo. If you fail to make a profit, you will eventually go out of business. And the way to rethink that is not how do we redistribute this same size pie, but how do we actually grow that pie so that we can be both profitable and be doing good. Number two, stay in your lane. What is your business great at doing? What are you excellent at? Think about Coke and the last mile and what they did. They could get the distribution of products out there because that's what they do. So focus on how you can use some part of what you do to do less bad in order to do more good. Absolutely. And then the third thing is when it comes to an area you want to do less bad in, the principles of multiplication, Uh, comparative advantage, and materiality. Uh, As Alex Edmonds says, choosing not to invest in an effort may allow another company within society to actually create more value with the same resources. So keep those three principles in mind when you're thinking about, you know, ESG in particular. That wraps up this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Danielle, you increased our listenership by 50%. Danielle. Thank you. Wait, wait, who's Danielle? Who's this Danielle? She is a really good friend of mine, a former client who became a friend who lives in the UK. And we had traded emails over the summer, didn't tell anybody we were doing a podcast. And I got this email earlier this week going, what? Out of everything you talked about over the summer, you didn't mention a podcast? (laughs) So she stumbled upon it. She emailed me to say how much she loved it. Okay, she might have said liked it, but I know deep down she loved it. Yes, that's what that means. It does. And even better, are you are you ready for this? Hit me. We are queued up with Rob Lowe and her podcast. Are you kidding? She has two and it's us and Rob Lowe. She might have a few more, but I'm pretty sure we are at least number two in there. Yeah. In my mind, she only has two and the other one is Rob Lowe. So we are as exactly. good as Rob Lowe. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Danielle. But seriously, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Danielle. And and thank you, actually, to everyone. There, there actually have been more than three people. We've received a ton of really positive emails and suggestions. So thank you for caring and listening. 
We'd love to continue to hear your comments and continue the conversation on social. So you can go to our website, dolessbad.com. You can reach us through social anywhere on there. And if you have any suggestions for topics, leave them there. Email us, hit us. You know how to reach us. Yes, on dolessbad.com, you can also find uh, some takeaways from each of our episodes. Uh, Three big ideas from each of our episodes. Go to dolessbad.com, download those, see if you can find those uh, helpful for you as a way to figure out how to make it real at your organization. So for next episode, we're going to look at returning to the office. Should you? Would you? Could you? All of those things. Uh, Some people are really excited about that. Other people are quite nervous about it. Some organizations are a little bit uh, laissez-faire about it. Others are come back in. or will run you off. So we're going to talk a little bit about the best way to return to the office and even if you should. So look forward to seeing you then. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Jenny, take us out. You've made it through another episode of Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Check us out at dolessbad.com. Until next time, stop fretting over doing more good and just do less bad.